Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We always look forward to our visits with you here on the new 94.9 FM and, of course, AM 950 WTLN. We're in Orlando, Florida. Alan Dempsey engineers beautifully every weekend for us. Uh, Andrew Hertliska produces this show each weekend, and we're grateful for their help. Jennifer Rothschild, a product of the state of Florida, now lives in Springfield, Missouri, her new book is out. It's called Invisible, Harvest House, the publisher. How you feel is not who you are. Jennifer, welcome. Nice to talk to you. Oh, I'm glad to be with you, Pat. Thanks for having me. Well, let's talk about that sub <clears throat> subtitle, How You Feel is Not Who You Are. What, what's uh, what's the gist here? What's going on? Well, you get the idea. We um, Feelings are real, feelings are powerful, and feelings matter. Okay, but feelings are not the same thing as facts. And sometimes when we feel a certain way, you know, we feel insecure, we feel overlooked, we feel insignificant, we feel all these things, we assume that how we feel is who we are. And if we live based on our feelings rather than the truth, then then we do not recognize necessarily who God is and who we are because of his worth. We don't recognize our own worth. So that's why the subtitle is, there is a big difference between who you are and how you feel. Let's start with the me in Gomer. <laughs> yeah. G-O-M-E-R. Uh, start us off with that. Okay, so I'm sure a lot of your listeners are wondering, what? Who, Gomer? Well, so some people may not be familiar with who Gomer is, and so I'll give you just a, kind of an idea. Good. She was fill, this woman fill us in. in. Old Testament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, she was married to a man named Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Gomer, like, wasn't probably every, you know, mama's dream for her little boy. Um, because Gomer got around. Gomer was described in the book of Hosea as it begins as promiscuous. And, you know, some people believe, some Bible scholars believe she was even a prostitute. But whatever the fact is, is she just wasn't a woman of purity and... This is the woman God said, hey, Hosea, I want you to marry her. Okay. So as a little girl, listening to this story when my dad would tell it or reading it in the Bible, I just, to be very honest with you, thought, oh, my goodness. I can't believe Gomer was like that. And then what happens is when she marries Hosea, she walks off and goes and finds other lovers and gets herself into big trouble. And I'm thinking, oh, how could she do that? You know, she's got this identity she's loved and she's chosen and she's married to this man of god and then she sells him short sells herself short and then goes literally and sells herself to other lovers i would never do that and truthfully pat you know i i have not done that in the purest sense that gomer did that's just not been my life story but i've done it in other ways and that's what i mean by saying there's a me in gomer and here's the thing it's not just women who do this Men do it, too. What I say, when I say there's a me and Gomer, what I mean, Pat, is there's this thing in all of us that says, i got to go somewhere else 
to find my sense of identity. I gotta look outside myself. I gotta, I gotta be somebody. And so I'm gonna go find these whatever other lovers of acceptance or approval or success or material goods. And I'm gonna go out there to find my identity in those things. When what has happened is just like Gomer was loved and chosen by God, uh, by Hosea, we're loved and chosen by God. And he's saying, you don't need to go find your identity in all these other lovers. You find your identity in me, the lover of your soul. And so there's a me and Gomer for all of us because we wander off from the God who loves us, and we leave him, therefore leaving our identity to go find ourselves in all the wrong places. Jennifer Rothschild is with us, founder and publisher of womensministry.net, author of the new book, Invisible, uh, now you write about the wedding, Jennifer. Yeah, yeah. So in the book Invisible, what I do is I take the reader through this process. Uh, first of all, who is Gomer and how much we're like her? But then I take us to this place of the wedding. I mean, because sometimes these Old Testament stories, we're so distant from them. We think they're, you know, they were ancient history, literally. But then at the same time, we don't identify with those the humanity of the characters. So what I've done is I take the readers to the wedding. And we get to sit in the church. And so imagine that that's what you're doing. You're sitting in the church, and here comes this woman down the aisle. And, uh, you know, it's taken you a few months anyway to adjust to the fact that Hosea, let's say he's your pastor, Hosea has dated this woman, and he proposed to this woman, and everybody is shocked. But he has said to the congregation, you know, this is who I believe the Lord has asked me to marry, and I'm going to marry her. And you see her walking down the aisle, and you think, you know, when when he first brought her to church, let's just be honest, she looked a little trashy. But today she's walking down this aisle and there's a, a radiance about her. I mean, she doesn't look totally comfortable in the wedding gown, but, you know, there's a loveliness that she didn't have. And you're sitting there in the church and they say, I do, and they begin to leave. And you watch her as she walks out the aisle now as Mrs. Hosea. And you're so confused because you think, what's the deal? She doesn't even look like the same woman. Why is she so lovely? And then it dawns on you. It's his love that made her lovely. It's not what she did. It's not what she hasn't done that gave her that sense of loveliness. It's, it's when she said, I do to Hosea, it's, it's his love that just made her lovely. It blo- that loveliness blossomed. And the same thing applies to you and I. When we say yes to Christ, when we say, I do to <laughs> I am, We become the beloved, and we are no longer what we've done, what we struggle with, um, what we failed at, what we're good at. We are the beloved, and lots of us live this life of, i got to be perfect. i got to be somebody. Or or some of us have such low spiritual self-esteem that we're like the be tolerated. And when we say, I do, we literally become the beloved. We are the beloved of God, and it's not because we've done anything to merit that love. It's because God is love. Now we get to when you say I do to I am. And that's the point. Everything changes. We become new in Christ. And it's like, poof, there's your Greek word for the day. (laughs) Poof. Behold, all things become new. And so when we say I do to the I am, everything's new. We are not defined by our past. And so what I help the reader understand in Invisible is your identity changes. 
And so we don't dwell on our past mistakes, because if we do, we dwell in the past of our mistakes. We want to dwell in the present reality of who we are. And so there's three truths that I that I believe were true about Gomer and that are true about us, and that is we are loved. We are dearly loved. That's what Colossians 3, not just tolerated, but loved. God is literally, he loved us so much that he sent Jesus for us. That's love we can't understand. We have to receive by faith because we're so geared toward merit. But we have to receive humbly by faith the fact that we're just loved because God is loved. Secondly, we are accepted. A lot of us think we're only accepted if we perform well. But the reality of the gospel is that when we accept Christ, He accepts us, and it's not based on our behavior. It's based on His grace. And then thirdly, we're complete. We are complete in Christ. That's what Colossians says, that we are complete in Him who is the head of all principalities and powers. When Jesus hung on the cross and He said, it is finished, that meant done, it's finished. You are complete when your trust is transferred from yourself and your own merit to Christ. You're complete in Him. That means you lack nothing. So, Pat, one of the things I do to try to remember truth is I try to form it into acronyms. So if you look at that, you've got I am loved, L. I am accepted, A. I am complete, C. L-A-C. That that spells, or actually that misspells, (laughs) a word, but it helps you remember who you are when you say I do to I am, that you lack nothing you have everything you need in Christ. So that's why we stay close to our source of self, who is Christ, so we don't lose our sense of self. You're listening to Jennifer Rothschild from Springfield, Missouri. Uh, her new book is out, and we're talking about it. It's called Invisible. <clears throat> How you feel is not who you are. Harvest House put the book out, <clears throat> and it's a good one. When we come back with Jennifer, we're going to talk about married with children. That's the next topic. In the meantime, and this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour that you're listening to on the new 94.9 FM and <clears throat> AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Are you ready to take your education to the next level? Arizona State University now offers over 90 top-tier degree programs, 100% online. With ASU's highly ranked online programs, you'll earn the same degree as our on-campus students with the ability to learn wherever you want, whenever you want. Same world-renowned faculty, same leading education, same global recognition from one of the top universities in the world. Call 1-800-581-5369. That's 1-800-581-5369. I'm Jamie from Sherman Oaks, and I just graduated with my degree from Arizona State University. I chose ASU because I received the quality education I deserve in the major I wanted, all from my home. Jamie's not the only one to earn a degree from ASU. There are over 90 degree programs offered 100% online from one of the top universities. Now's the time to learn more about earning your degree online from Arizona State University. Call 1-800-581-5369. That's 1-800-581-5369. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes, and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. 
That's Families by Design. On the new 94.9 FM and AM 950, WTLN. You want to feel connected, informed, included, inspired. So when important things happen, we're here. Your local radio and TV broadcasters. America's number one source for news, weather, and information. On your radio, TV, computer, tablet, and smartphone. We are broadcasters. Always here for you, wherever here may be. Tell Washington local stations matter by texting radio to 52886. Furnished by NAD in the station. Message and data rates may apply. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Well, folks, we've got Jennifer Rothschild with us. We're talking about Invisible. That's the name of her new book. Now let's get to Married with Children, Jennifer. Fill us in on that, please. So Gomer, you know, she's this new bride, and she's home. And she used to be out in the clubs. Men looking at her all the time, and suddenly she's feeling invisible, <laughs> overlooked, home with kids. There's some stay-at-home moms right now who, who get it. You know, sometimes you just get the, you get what I call familiarity fatigue. You're just stuck in the same old, same old. There may be some guys that go to work every day. They try to present a good idea, and nobody listens to them. And they just feel overlooked, ignored. We can feel invisible. And it's sometimes the routine that causes that. And I think, you know, that could have been when I imagine Gomer as a new bride. She starts to have children. We learn in Hosea 1, she has three children. And so I can imagine she's, her life is full of, you know, just toddlers and diapers and carpools. And, and she probably starts to think, ah, oh, I'm just nobody. I'm nothing. And what happens is her mind then begins to wonder, hmm, I wonder if I wonder if it would be more exciting or, oh, I wonder what it would be like if I, you know, just went to that chat room or I wonder what it would be like if I just, oh, you know, go do that thing that I used to do before I married. It's harm. I wonder, I wonder. And what happens is when her mind begins to wander, W-O-N-D-E-R, her feet then start to wander, W-A-N-D-E-R. Same happens to us. When we start our minds to stray from truth, then eventually where our thoughts begin to navigate, our feet, our actions will eventually gravitate toward those places. So that's why it's so important that we keep connected to the truth of not just of of who we are instead of always being so fixated on where we are. Now tell us about the affair. Well, unfortunately, that's what Gomer ended up doing. In fact, Hosea chapter 2 says, quote, quotes Gomer loosely, um, she says, I will go after my other lovers <laughs> who give me my, and then she says these few things, bread and water, oil and wine, wool and flax, you know, and so it sounds like she's going out for, for her other lovers, like for a grocery list, really, but in ancient times, what that represents is she's saying, I'm going to go for my other lovers who will give me my daily needs. They're going to take care of me. They're going to give me what I need. They're going to give me my bread and water. They're going to give me my wool and flax. That represented her clothing. Um, you could even take it so far as like home decor, textiles. It's, it's what she used to create a sense of even fashion, wardrobe, identity. Uh, my oil and wine. She says, I'm going to go for my other lovers because they're going to give me that, which represented pleasure. Now, if you really think about it, Pat, Hosea met her needs. Hosea gave her that wool and flax 
that she could create fashion with and decorate her home. Hosea offered her pleasures untold, but she left what she already had to go seek it somewhere else. She had an affair. That's what we do in many ways in our relationship with the Lord. The Lord says, I've called you, I've chosen you, I've given you identity, I've made you my beloved, and we say, I'm going to go after my other lovers to find all the things that you give me, Lord. That's why it's so essential that we recognize who we are in Christ and realize that how we feel and who we are, not the same thing. Now we do a whole section called Gomerisms. What are, what are they, Jennifer? Yeah, Gomerisms is the way I've coined, you know, this is what Gomer did. Basically, when she said, I'm going after my other lovers, in many ways what she said is, I'm choosing my wisdom, my wants, and my ways. And when I said in Chapter 1 there's a me and Gomer, there is a me in all of us, a me and Gomer that all of us can relate to because we all can practice Gomerisms. And that's when we say, I'm going to trust my wisdom above God's wisdom. What I think is best is best, period. I'm going to trust and act upon what I want more than what I believe God desires for me, and I'm going to go my way. And really, when you look at it, Pat, our wisdom, we should pay attention to our wisdom. God gave us good brains. We don't disregard our thoughts, but we don't elevate them above God's thoughts because we are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, not relying on our own wisdom, but on His. That we do nothing, Philippians 2 says, out of selfishness. So we can't always honor our wants above everything else because we do nothing out of selfishness, but in everything we regard others as more important. And thirdly, our ways, what you want in your ways, those are fine, but we have to keep them in context of recognizing that our hearts can deceive us. And as for our ways, they're not perfect, but Psalm 1830 says, as for God, his ways are perfect. So gomerisms means we practice and we elevate what we want, what we think, and what our desires are above God's. And it never ends well. Jennifer, what are the faulty bow syndromes about? What is that? That's where gomerisms end up leading us. So here's the deal. Hosea compares us when we are following our own way, like Gomer did, to a faulty bow. Now, I'm no archer here, and I'm sure there's some men listening who are probably going to start snickering, but (laughs) Hosea uses this illustration of how we are all like a bow in the hand of an archer. And and if you think of it, God is like our archer, and, and we are this bow in his hand, and he's wanting to send us, take us to where we really long to be, because being in his will is the perfect place to be. But we get all bent out of shape. We become a faulty bow, and we're bent on our own way, and we're all twisted up because we don't know who we are, and so we become this bent, faulty bow, and when the archer shoots that faulty bow, it doesn't land where it's supposed to. And so I talk about there's three minefields where we land when we're practicing our gomerisms and become this faulty bow. It's this, la- this minefield of feeling threatened because we don't know who we are. We're threatened by everybody else. Um, we become competitive. Oh, i got to be better. i got to be somebody. So we compete with others. We become envious. And so I help the reader because I've learned how to do it. The Lord is teaching me. When I feel threatened by someone, that's an indication that I don't know who I am. And so instead of being threatened, I need to be thankful for them. I've got some author friends who sell far more books than me. And I caught myself a while back feeling very threatened by that. And 
And that's what the enemy wants to use to turn you into an angry person and, a, and become more insecure. And so you immediately shift that. Lord, I'm not going to be threatened by that. I'm going to be thankful for what you did in that person's life. I'm not going to be envious. I'm going to encourage. And I'm not going to compete. I'm going to try to compliment everything I can that is good about that person. And that helps us become a yielded bow in the hand of the archer. What is the intervention you write about? I think one of the hardest and most gracious things God does for us is he stops us when we're going the wrong way. And, you know, in many ways, that's what the book of Hosea talks about that I explain in Invisible, is that God loves us too much to let us misunderstand his character. God loves us too much to let us follow our own way for too long. And so sometimes he lets thorns grow up in our path. And sometimes those difficult things in our life that we think um, they're often a result of our own actions. Of course they are. But often we think, too, that these difficult things in our lives are just God not being kind to us or God being difficult toward us when really they are a kind intervention. If you love somebody and you know they've got an addiction, it's hard work, man, but it is one of the most kind things you can do to intervene to protect them from themselves, and that's what God does for us. Is this a made-up word, idolo trinkets? <laughs> yeah, it is. So in Invisible... I I make up several words. Uh, I, I guess we have our own little lexicon. I've got gomerisms, right? Um, I use the word addiction because when we don't receive our identity from Christ, we become what I call an addict. We become addicted to ourselves because we got to find our identity in ourselves. And then we also go toward these what I call idolatry trinkets. And here's why, Pat. So in the book of Hosea, Gomer says she's going for her other lovers. In the book of Hosea, God describes Israel as going for their idols. And so I, as I was studying this and writing Invisible, I was like, well, Lord, I, I don't know what my idols are, you know. I want to be accepted. I, I, want, I want approval. I want to look good. I want, you know, I want success. I want these things. Are these really idols? And I couldn't land. And then I began to understand, no, those are the idolatry trinkets. Here's why. Because I become my own idol. When I don't find my identity in Christ, I practice the idolatry of self. And everything you and I go to, to feed ourselves and soothe ourselves and serve ourselves and make ourselves feel good, those are what I call the trinkets. So if I'm, you know, trying to lose 20 pounds so I look awesome, that's because I'm my own idol. If I am um, trying to be more clever on, I'm trying to think of an example, on Facebook or Twitter so that, oh, the like button will just light up and then I'll feel like somebody, then I, Facebook isn't my idol. Facebook is the idol trinket I'm using to serve myself because I am my own idol. And you know what? We will always feel invisible when we're trying to see ourselves in the eyes of these dead little gods, these idolatry trinkets. And then you do a chapter with a question mark. <clears throat> Where did you get your idolatry trinket? <laughs> In the book of Hosea, the Lord um, talks about how the Israelites were going to worship these golden calves. 
And as I studied it more, it was King Jeroboam who set up these golden calves, and he literally said to his people, these are your gods. And so the people just mindlessly followed and said, okay, these are our gods. And I think part of the reason we wander off from our identity and our first love is because someone in a in a very um in in a very I don't I believe it's innocent but someone has said to us hey these are your gods it might be a parent it might be a teacher someone with great influence that says oh here's your god your god is perfect performance if you will worship this god then you'll be happy you'll be somebody or a perfect appearance or great success and so I go through in that chapter, where'd you get your idolatry trinket about what some of these potential idolatry trinkets are and really examine. Sometimes we've got stuff in our life that we really didn't choose. It was chosen for us. And so as the beloved of God, we can look at those things and say, no, I'm going to return this to the sender. I'm not going to keep it. I only want to receive from the Lord, not from these other uh, false gods. My guest is Jennifer Rothschild, and we're talking about her book, Invisible, How You Feel is Not Who You Are. How about the slave block? What do you tell us here, Jen? Well, unfortunately, Gomer ended up there, and uh, it's one of the most difficult scenes in Scripture, and it's one of the most beautiful scenes. And it's also a scene in our own lives that we've all experienced. Gomer went for her other lovers, and she ended up getting herself into so much trouble that she was being sold into slavery. And the most counterintuitive thing happened. She's standing there on the slave block, and this woman who went off, left everything she had to get what she thought she wanted, beautiful clothing, the, the affection of lovers, ended up being betrayed. And she's standing on that slave block, probably filthy, very scantily dressed. And these people in the audience are looking at her, thinking, what, what what use could we have for her? I mean, talk about wanting to feel invisible at that point. Gomer had to have. She had to have felt covered with shame and regret and despair. And as the auction begins, she hears the voice of Hosea, and he bids to buy her back. She already was his, but he's willing to pay the price to buy her back. And that's exactly where we find ourselves, just like Gomer on that slave block covered with shame, regret, wanting to turn back to the Lord, but stuck in chains. And and if you can't get free from what's enslaved you, it's because you can't break your own chains. Somebody has to buy you back, and that's what Hosea did for Gomer, and that's what God does for us. And so I help the reader understand that no matter how far you've strayed from the Lord and your identity in Him, you can turn back to God. He will buy you back and you simply have to respond to that redemption. Great half hour, Jennifer. I'm so thrilled we could talk, and uh, your book has a powerful message. It's well-written and uh, right on the money. I'm, I'm just thrilled we could chat. Me too, Pat. Thank you so much for having me. Jennifer, Ro- Jennifer Rothschild, author of Invisible. Uh, we're back for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando.
More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandek, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. Need new teeth? Call Implant Solutions today with a state-of-the-art on-site laboratory. You can have your new teeth today. Get 50% off dental implants and dentures when you call 407-280-7089 online at ImplantSolutionsToday.com. Just make it all stop for a few minutes. Help me, God. Three deadlines, four meetings. Uh, Looks like another late night at the office. Help me, God. I keep coming to these to forget my loneliness. So why do I still feel so alone? Help me, God. Help me, God. We all have moments where we feel we've reached the end of our rope. Discover freedom from anxiety, stress, and fear when you spend time in God's Word. Crosswalk.com is here to help you start living a life filled with joy and peace. Choose to read the Bible and talk to God each day. Receive free daily devotionals from well-known pastors and authors, including Max Lucado, John Piper, Charles Stanley, James McDonald, and more. Find the inspiration and encouragement you need for each day sent right to your inbox. Sign up at Crosswalk.com. That's Crosswalk.com. The church in America is experiencing a famine of God's Word. Hear the Word of God spoken faithfully each weekday evening at 7 on Armored by Truth at the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Our guest in that first segment, Jennifer Rothschild talking about her book, Invisible. Jane Rubietta is with us, magazine journalist. She's in Park Ridge, Illinois, and uh, has a beautiful new book out called Finding Your Dream, From Famine to Feast, The Life of Joseph. Jane, I'm, I'm really delighted we can visit, and I'm a big Joseph fan, so I'm looking forward to this. Oh, thanks. It is, uh, he is certainly one of the favored uh, children of Israel, it seems like to me. Tell me about your involvement with Joseph. How did it all start? Well, as I was as I was working my way through Genesis for this finding series with with uh, my publisher, I, I Joseph ended up being an entire book, and there's so much richness about his journey and the choices he made in route. I mean, he could have just he could have he could have really just blown up after. Uh, you know, so many of these hardships came his way, but he didn't. He chose to live into God's dreams for him, and I just, I just began to fall in love with this whole process of of uh, living into our dreams, not even in spite of the hard places, but perhaps because of them. Talk to us about dreams. Are you interested in dreams and dreaming? And <laughs> I guess everybody is, right? Well, I, I think there's always been a fascination with with the whole dream, um, you know, the dream sequences that we have when we literally fall asleep. And 
and and just uh, you know, don't you wake up sometimes going, huh? What was that about? And just wondering uh, if our dreams aren't speaking to us. And I know that that my dreams have spoken to me, and your dreams have probably spoken to you. And I also know that that for Joseph, these were not like I fell asleep and then I had this this sort of subconscious outworking of my internal turmoil, uh, which is often what dreams are. They're a coalescing of the stuff of our days. Um, but this is a God-given, God-imputed, God-put into him, these dreams. So it's very fascinating. Jane, you suggest we all long for significance. Uh, do you think this is part of the dream you refer to? I think, I think that is a God-given longing and a, a deep, deep desire Everybody wants to know that they matter, that their presence here on this earth has made a difference to them, the difference to the world. You know, we want to believe that people will miss us when we're gone, whether we're gone for the day or whether we're gone from their lives, that people will miss us, not just because, oh, it feels good to be needed, but because we want to know that our presence here mattered. The people's lives are, are better because of our being here. So I do believe that that is a, deep, a deep-seated a deep dream and longing for all of us. I don't think that we live um, aware of that all the time. I think if we tuned into some of our behaviors, we would recognize that underneath them is this longing for significance and impact. Obviously. So yeah, it, it's a big thing. It's a big deal. And I think a lot of our uh, addictions and a, an awful lot of our dysfunctions are because we're not listening to that longing and we're not figuring out how to live into it. Joseph uh, uh, obviously grew up in an imperfect family, and I do want you to talk about that. Uh, But uh, don't we all grow up in imperfect families, Jane? (laughs) I think it's universal. To some degree. Right, Pat, if it's not, you and I are just the only messed up ones, right? Um, (laughs) Yeah. It, it truly, we we all grow up in imperfect families. What other choice is there? There, I've never. And, and if people's families look in per, look perfect to you, just just bide your time because you know that that's a facade. That we, I mean, we've come to kind of worship the family in in many circles, and and the perfect family is a myth and it's a facade. So there, there's always an imperfect underneath all that. But so the fact that it is a universal condition is probably really good news. You know, um, there's no escaping all the imperfect, which means that's all God has to work with. So we're all we're all either really sunk or we're all in a really, really in good luck. And and it turns out this is a good place to be because this is this is how God, the God of the perfect God, comes into our imperfections and does beyond anything we could ask or imagine. Where do you think Joseph fouled the nest? You know, in his in his home as a young young person, what did he do wrong? Well, I he was sort of the he was he was clearly from the scriptures he was the favored child. He was the the first son born of of um, Jacob and his beloved Rebecca. They were the I mean I'm sorry Rachel. They were the the she was his the love of his life and. And she was he, Joseph is the first son that she that they had together, uh, but that makes Joseph the eleventh son in the family dynasty. Um, and so he came along, and he was the beloved child, even though there were all these there were ten other boys and a, a sister. 
um, to, you know, the, who needed the same kind of attention. And evidently, his daddy just lavished attention and affection on Joseph. And and the Jews believe that that really kind of turned him into a brat who needed his comeuppance. Uh, and we know enough about family dynamics now and, and you know, what that does if you're the favorite child and what that does to your psyche and how that how you can grow up to be this tyrant kind of a person. Um, and Joseph was, he could have easily grown into a big bully and just ended up like a, everybody should take care of me kind of a guy. So, so he, and he was, I think he, we have records of him running to his daddy and tattling on, on his brother's. You know, they weren't doing a good job out in the field. They weren't doing the work they needed to do. But I look at that, Pat, and if you fast forward into his life, he ended up being uh, someone who who oversaw all the works of the field and all the bookkeeping and all the everything inside Potiphar's home and then for the king. And so there, he was he was showing gifts. Even uh, of leadership, even at that age, he just didn't know how to deal with them. Mm. Uh, let's, uh, and I want to get back to that. I do want to talk more about leadership. But before that, you, you use the term people of the life. W- what does that mean? Well, I think most of us live as people of the lie, or at least maybe it's the impartial truth that. Um, you know, life is hard and then you die. Well, yeah, that, that, is, that is true. That's just not all of it to me. And I think what we end up doing is, is living into that as opposed to um, the whole rest of the truth, which is that, that as people of the life, we're invited to look for life in the midst of hardship. We, are, we become people who are willing to ask hard questions like, um, why do I blame others? Because life is hard. Life is the con- hardship is the common denominator for so many people. Uh, actually, for all of us, pain and hardship are common denominators. So why would we blame others for that? Why am I afraid to take responsibility for my own life? Taking up the life you've been invited to is is how we become people of the life. Looking for life, choosing life, cho- not not choosing to blame or to live in the death of the circumstances around us. Jane Rubietta is with us from the Chicago area. Uh, We're talking about her book. It's a beautiful book, um, nicely put together, Finding Your Dream from Famine to Feast, The Life of Joseph. Joseph, uh, why do you say, and you talk a lot about this, Jane, that uh, dreams require risks? Well, if dreams were safe, everybody would do them, but... If we're going to dream something, it's going to be something that's bigger than our life right now. It's going to be something that other people are not going to believe in. When we when we knew we were being called into this this nonprofit ministry out of the local church, where we had, you know, we, we had a wonderful compensation package. We had a day, we had a salary. I mean, it was an amazing thing. All all of these things, and we knew God was calling us to dream this new dream and. And I can't even tell you how many businessmen looked at us and said, oh, you're going to do what? You are, you are not going to make it. We've got a lot of tisk, tisk, tisks. And, and, so, and the risk is that people are going to judge you. They're not going to believe you can make it. But the other risk is that you might fail. <laughs> it really might be a pipe dream as opposed to a dream dream coming from God that's really going to make a difference. So, But the other part of a, of, 
of risk is, um, I think, I think we like to dream as long as there's no risk of failing. By so, so dreamers are often talkers, but they're not doers. And one of the risks is that if we actually do the dream, if we actually start trying to live into it, that we'll fail at the dream, but then we'll also lose the idea of our dream. And that idea of the dream is what keeps a lot of people going. So, so we, we, we tend to choose safety, I think. There's, there's really quite a benefit in having a salary. Mm-hmm. You know, there, the, there's certainly a lot of benefits in having a stable sort of a life and you don't have to be unstable to have to follow after your dreams um but you have to be willing to hold more more things loosely your reputation your your um your you know your your relationship with other people in terms of how they view you and also your success to failure ratio do you have to be a success or is it okay to learn as you go jane rubietta is with us jane before we get back to this current project, Finding Your Dream. I'm quite interested in your series, Finding the Messiah, Finding Life, Finding Your Promise, Finding Your Name, Finding Your Way. Uh, Give us a little background on this series and how it all started and what the mission is here. Well, the the mission really is to, to deepen the application of Scripture for all of us so that we can live into the life that God's invited us into. Uh, I've read the Bible through many, many times, and and there are an awful lot of seasons where I'm just ripping through, and I don't have the faintest idea what I read or what difference it makes. And this whole series just goes very slowly through some some key either either seasons, like finding life is is for um, the season of Lent. It's it's forty readings that lead you straight to Easter. And the resurrection, and you know, I think most of us have a hard time knowing how to observe or quote celebrate unquote uh, these big seasons like Easter and Christmas. And so, that and finding the Messiah were their deliberate uh, work that to deepen our journey in during these really significant, I mean, truly landmark, pivotal uh, holidays in our in our faith. So. So those two were born out of that longing to just not wake up the next day and go, wow, I totally missed Christmas. Mm. Oh, man, I totally didn't get Easter this year. I forgot all about how to observe this. Um, and then the finding your promise, your name, your dream, and your way, that all came out of actually me not being sure I was uh, navigating my own way very well. And I started at the beginning in Genesis and just started working my way through and finding these amazing practical applications for these famous people's journeys and what they mean, you know, how I can journey uh, more steadily, steadfastly, and honestly, and deeply, and faithfully. So those take us all through, all the way through Genesis. We'll, we'll wrap up, actually, the Finding Your Way releases the end of this month, and it's uh, the life of, lives of Adam through Noah and all their counterparts. Mm. Jane, you write, let's get back to Joseph. Sure. You write that broken people make good leaders. Uh, why, why so? Well, first of all, God's dreams always involve broken people. Uh, the The question is, what will we do with our brokenness? And if we choose to become people who 
who mend and who heal in those broken areas, which takes a lot of courage to look at those places of failure and brokenness and pain and say, I want to get strong here. Um, but that means that we, we, choose, we choose to then become people who we actually learn empathy along the way. We learn kindness. We learn servanthood. We learn a lack of judgment uh, about other people and their own journeys and failings. And, and I think you have to have that in order to be a good leader. You can certainly be a leader, uh, but you end up with, you know, you may end up with a mini Hitler um, because he, he was a great, he was great at rallying, but he wasn't uh, particularly, he never actually figured out what to do with his own wounds. Our guest is Jane Rubietta. We've got more with Jane right after this. Just a reminder, uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. You're listening to the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando, Florida. Uh, stay with us. we got another segment with Jane from Park Ridge, Illinois. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950. WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delta Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. She never imagined the horrors when she went to war. She just wanted to serve her country. Now she knows. Away from home and family, deployment was very lonely and tests your faith. Now that she's home, she's dealing with the mental shrapnel from the battlefield. Our troops and veterans need our prayers and deserve our gratitude, especially as we honor veterans this month. Show them we care with a gift from MilitaryBibleStick.com. I have PTSD, major depression disorder, bad knees, and a bad back. This is so painful, and it makes it really hard to get to church. This Bible stick gives me hope back. The Military Bible Stick is a digital player loaded with the audio New Testament. Just $25 provides the Military Bible Stick for one troop or one veteran. Be the one who reminds our troops and veterans God is with them, and we have not forgotten them. MilitaryBibleStick.com Hey, I'm Chris Brown, host of Chris Brown's True Stewardship, brought to you by Ramsey Solutions. As a husband and father, I know the stress of managing family finances. And as a pastor, I've seen how handling money poorly can tear apart lives. Well, imagine what life would be like if there were no car payments, student loans, or money fights. What if your finances could be worry-free? God has a lot to say about money. Tune in. Chris Brown's True Stewardship, right after New Life Live, weekdays at 2, on your intersection of faith and reason, the new 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Jane Rubietta has put together a wonderful devotional book. It's called Finding Your Dream from Famine to Feast, the Life of Joseph. Uh, Here's the key question, I think, of the whole interview, Jane. Uh, Joseph had every reason to be extremely bitter about his circumstances. 
So what separates those who are bitter over life's difficulties from those who aren't? What's the deal here? Oh, and, and maybe we should just recap what his difficulties were. His, he, his bull, he, he was a bullied kid, his, and his brothers eventually got so fed up with him that they, they threw him in a pit. Well, it actually was a cistern, and which was fortunately dry. Sold him off to slave traders, uh, so Joseph was shackled. Then he was sold into the slave, on a slave market down in Egypt uh, and became a servant, a slave of Potiphar. And then from there, he ended up becoming, uh, he ended up in prison again, and then uh, for, for, you know, years. So he had this terrible derailment of his life for like 13 years. He had every reason to be um, extremely angry and bitter about all of that, and, and a lot of us would be. But I think what separates us, uh, what separates out the people who are bitter over life's difficulties and those who aren't is the choice to grow beyond the the difficulties wounds. You know, nobody, I look at this and I think, nobody promised us a dreamy life. I don't know why we think we deserve anything good, let alone a dream life. But, um, you know, looking at our common denominators, life is hard. It is hard. Nobody's going to question that. Um, nobody promised you anything different. But uh, we can choose what to do with that with that difficulty. Bitterness leads us to blame, it leads to hatred, it leads us to underfunctioning, it leads us to hurting other people and it's just absolutely crippling. Anybody can be bitter, that's the easy way out. It takes bravery to move from bitter to bigger, to become a bigger person. You say, Jane, uh, that we'll never be able to avoid the pits and the prisons of life. That's not very encouraging, is it? <laughs> well, are we expecting heaven? I mean, we, you know, just to reiterate, it is a broken world. Look at the news. We don't have to get very far to find out all, about all the brokenness. Life comes with, with pits and prisons. Some of them we dig ourselves, and I think it's harder for us to own those. And some we just end up falling into them. Some we are shoved into by others. But the good news is, and I love this, God is not limited by our pits and our prisons. God will find us there. This is the Jesus who walked through walls. Prison, he's the one who overcame death. He rose from the dead. You know, prisons, pits, they are no challenge for God. Now we've got to get to another fascinating area of this whole story of Joseph, and that's his response to his brothers. Uh, I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit. It's one of the most remarkable stories in the Bible, I think. It, it is, and I, I mean, well, oh my goodness, it is, Pat, when it offers hope to all of us who have hurt someone else or who have been hurt by someone else. For anybody who carries corrosive shame over over our sin against others, Joseph's words are, are truly the antidote there. Um, God, so Joseph's brothers end up starving, and they all come down to Egypt for grain. Joseph recognizes who they are right away, but because he's been a servant down there and has chosen a learning arc, he, knows, he actually knows Egyptian. He's had to learn the local language, and so nobody, his brothers don't even recognize him. And he speaks Egyptian, so they don't know that He's understanding everything they're saying, uh, and he hears their pain, and he hears their remorse. <clears throat> and he, who's had 13 years of H-E double hockey sticks, um, 
for uh, just an extreme difficulty has has grown through that, risen to this place of the second most powerful person in the country and possibly the world. And And he is able to say, to look at these brothers and say, you meant it for evil, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. And that that astounding forgiveness and perspective right there, we need that every single day. Not that God, God says, I'm going to make all these bad things happen, but that God will always bring good from the bad. So what do you say, Jane, to someone who feels that they're too old to dream? <laughs> it is never too, too late. You're never too old. You're never too young. You are never beyond the place where you can live a life of significance. You're never too old for that. I mean, I, my dad is 95, and really? I'm, yes, and I'm still just like, Dad, it's not too late. You can still, you know, you can still love well. He still reads. He still tries to have a positive impact in people's lives, and I'm like, never too old. And we're well, never too young to start. Joseph was just a kid. So why do you say that ultimately our dreams are not about us? Uh, what are they about? They have to be about us uh, creating a, an, a significant impact in this world by loving better, by being kinder, by uh, innovation, by by living with integrity. They have to be about leaving this world a better place. And in fact, all of our, you know, we think about the quotes, spiritual disciplines, the way you, the ways we draw closer to God, every single one of those is intended to change us for the good of other people. And I do believe that dreams are intended, they are God-given, and they're intended to change us so that we can live lives of impact in this world, significant, that we can make a difference. Maybe maybe you just make a difference by being, by, you know, me, and making eye contact and greeting the person that you pass on the on the street, but it's never too small of a way to make impact. And we can't limit, well, I want to limit God. God may want to do something huge. Changing any life is huge. Jane, what is the difference between a dream and a vision? Well, I mean, you come from, you come from the, the whole sports arena, and and we know that and that managers, they want to cast a vision. A vision is going to be this, is going to be, um, are you talking about a vision between, you know, God-given? Well, you, you, just... you, you read a lot in the Bible, you, you, the word vision is used a lot. Yeah. Uh, is that a bigger deal than a dream? Is a dream more personal? Oh, it could be. Uh, maybe, maybe a dream is the outworking of that vision. The scriptures tell us that without a dream, the people perish. Mm-hmm. Without a vision, the people perish. And and the outworking of, of that vision, it seems to me, would be the uh, the practicality, you know, practically working toward the, toward a dream. You know, how do you fit underneath that umbrella of the vision? Um, and how does your dream impact, impact that? How does it contribute to that? By the way, Jane, uh, do you think it's tough for most of us to relate to dreamers? I, th- I think it is. I, I, mean, I think it can be. I think dreams are threatening. Uh, other people's dreams are kind of threatening because maybe they remind us that we have quit dreaming. You know, oh, wow, 
boy, that, that takes a lot of courage. We might be thinking when someone else plows forward and then we have all sorts of rationalizations why that we couldn't possibly do anything like that. Um, so I, I think they remind us that we have quit dreaming, and I think there's a, an element of jealousy that goes with that. But also I think that we have a hard time relating to dreamers because so many of us just we prefer safe. Well, yeah, because with dreams, it takes, you got to fight through fear, and then you've got to take risks, and any time there's a dream involved, that's going to mean change, and uh, we all know, Jane, how people love change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. Yes, uh, choose between risk and stability. Oh, Huh. Yeah. Let's I think not we'll go for stability. Yeah, let's not change anything. Nobody wants to change any. We'd still all be riding horses around, you know, if 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 uh, we had our way. Nevertheless, Jane, I love your book and uh, uh this interview's been very helpful to me and I hope our uh, listeners as well. Keep writing. I love this series you're doing, so keep it up. Oh, thank you. Jane Rubietta, she's uh, out there in the Chicago area. Uh finding your dream. 90 days of deeper devotion through the fall period from famine to feast, the life of Joseph. Listen, folks, we've got to wrap up uh, in just a minute here. Stay with us on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Uh, We'll be back in just a second. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you miss the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94. 94- Point nine FM and AM 950 WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Folks, thanks for joining us for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We do this show every weekend, and we're always delighted when you join us. Uh, today, Jennifer Rothschild was with us initially, uh, author of Invisible... And uh, then Jane Rubietta plugged in, uh, talked about her latest work. It's called Finding Your Dream. We learned today about the life of Hosea and Gomer and then got into the life of Joseph. So we've had some good Bible teaching here today. In the meantime, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And please check out my most recent book. It's called Extreme Winning. That's my latest work with HCI. It's in bookstores now and up on Amazon.com as well. We'll be back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Have a great week ahead. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN.